0: Blessed is the Almighty who brought us to this day. Look what's happening. We are finally, at long last, shooting a uh, weekly Torah portion class right here in the redesigned, reconfigured, refurbished Soul Word Studios. Just gorgeous. Um, If you're listening on a podcast platform, by the way, I know there are a lot of people who consume our content that way, which is wonderful, especially those who uh, the functionality of a podcast platform is particularly conducive to the to the way they consume content. A lot of people listen to it on the go. But I highly recommend, at least for this class, come take a peek. Come to our website, soulwords.org, and check out this week's episode just to see the background and see this environment that we created, this very highly curated atmosphere of, of, of Torah and Chassidus. And every little detail in the background, by the way, has a, has a deep meaning and is helping to create a... An atmosphere where the 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 look of everything is like attuned to the the the, the messaging that we, we try to bring you in all of our classes. It's sort of this is a uh, a combination of what we call in Kabbalah or and Kli of light and vessel. So the the room has become like the perfect vessel to c- contain the lights that we're trying to put out with Hashem's help. Anyways, again, if you're listening to our podcast platform, come to soulwords.org. And By the way, in general, if you're listening to podcast platforms, come to soulwords.org and see we have thousands of hours of videos. I know a lot of times when you're on the podcast platforms, you only see um, some of our classes or it's not as well organized or not so searchable. Come to soulwords.org and you have thousands of hours of classes. Everything's so easily uh, navigatable and searchable and we have classes on on everything so please come check it out also by the way if you're you're on youtube a lot of people see us on youtube uh, or torah anytime is another big platform a lot of people see us on torah anytime and they don't know about soulwords.org i'm encouraging you that's our virtual home soulwords.org we're very happy for you to consume content wherever works for you but come to the website uh... sign up for our email or subscribe to our whatsapp Um, that way we can stay in touch with you so all that info is there on the soulwords.org homepage. you can sign up for the email and you can also uh... subscribe to the whatsapp that info is there on the homepage. and uh... also i want to mention as long as long as we're doing business over here uh... once a year we do a fundraiser and uh, coming up this matzah Shabbos, saturday night we are beginning two nights of live streaming we're gonna do matzah Shabbos and sunday night both evenings a live stream a live stream program Lots of great Torah content and music and fun and guests and questions and answers and all types of stuff. And most important, we're raising money. We're raising our budget for the year. And that's going to be at charity.com, charity with a D, charity.com forward slash RST, like Rabbi top. Okay, fine, business is out of the way. Let's jump into the learning. But, you know, we start with our milsavadichas, so we start with our little joke. By the way, everyone noticed, by the way, the jokes are not necessarily funny. I do not promise myself to say that I they tell funny jokes. But the joke is always zach, like we say in Yiddish. Okay, so here's the joke. A guy's sitting with his therapist, and he says, Oh, my wife is constantly telling me I don't listen. At least I think she's saying something like that. See, that was a perfect example. It was not hilarious, but you're going to see it. It's zach. It's really, it fits. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, if you don't like that joke, I got another one on the same topic. Uh guy is talking to his therapist, he says, so y- yesterday my wife comes up to me and she says, are you even listening to me? I thought that was a very strange way to start a conversation. Okay. Anyway. You're going to see why this okay. This week's Pasha, Parsha's Vayetze. What happens? First Pasuk, first verse. Vayetze Yankiv and Be'er Shava. Yankiv, Jacob, left. Be'er Shava, Be'er is the city where he was living, a city in, in southern land of Israel, and he went to Choron. Choron is a city in a region in Asia Minor, where he was sent to go find a bride, he was sent by his uh, mother, Rivka, Rebecca, because his brother Esau or Esau was going to kill him. She said, get out of here and also uh, go find a wife in Choron. Okay, fine. That's the beginning of this week's parasha. Five verses earlier, Meaning, this is the first verse of this parsha, so if we're going five verses earlier, we're going to the end of last week's parsha, parsha's 12 days. So let's go to the end of last week's parsha, five verses earlier, and what do we have? It says, Yitzchok, Isaac, the father, sent Yankiv, Jacob, the son, and he went to Padan Aram. you see the contradiction here not necessarily contradiction but the discrepancy here this is describing the same journey when it says that Yitzchok sent Yankiv to Padna and then five verses later it says Yankiv left 'er Be'er and went to Choron it's the same journey why is it five verses apart because there was a little parenthetical narrative about Esau Rashi explains why it broke up the story, because <laughs> they sent him away, he had to leave anyways because he had to get away from Esau so he wouldn't get killed why specifically we sent to Charan? because they had relatives, you know mishpacha there that they wanted to maybe make a shidduch with because they didn't want him to marry with the Canaanite girls so then all of a sudden the Chumash takes a detour and says by the way, when Esau saw that Yankiv wasn't supposed to marry a Canaanite girl so he also knew he wasn't supposed to marry a Canaanite girl and he married one of Yeshmoel's daughters. And it talks about that. And it's like a little side point. And then he gets back to the story, like, you know, uh, returning to where we left off. And it says, Yankiv, Jacob left Bereshav and he went to Choron. But that's the same exact journey. It's, just, it's, it's described twice. It's like returning to the, back to the action. Okay. But do you notice, in the first instance when it says Yitzchok sent Yankiv, it only says where he went to Padnarom. That's the destination. The second time, when we re- when we review the story, it says Yankiv mi Bershava. He left Bershava and he went to Choron. So the first time, it only tells you where he went to, not where he left from. The second time, it tells you not only where he went to, but where he left from. See the discrepancy. So, I know that's probably not the most intriguing question. I'm, no, I, I'm sure that if you didn't get an answer to that, it wouldn't keep you up at night. But here's what I want to tell you. The answer to that question or the reconciliation, the reconciliation of that little discrepancy actually holds within it a secret about the successful family life, marriage and uh, home life of Avino. You know, one of the things it says about Avino is mitoshe shleima that his bed was complete. The bed here is a euphemism for procreation. Um, all of his progeny followed in his ways. So you have Avram, who had Yitzchok, but he also had Yishmael, who went his own went his own way. And you have Yitzchok, who had Yankov, but he also had an Esav, who went his own way. But Yankov had twelve sons, and they all followed in his ways. So he's called Mitose Shlema. He has that uh, accomplishment that he kept his family intact. So what can we learn about having a strong family from Yankee Vivino that will be revealed by understanding that interesting little discrepancy of why the first time the journey is described it only says where he went to not where he left from and the second time, it says both where he went to and where he left from. Okay. You with me? Yeah? Probably distracted by all the beautiful stuff in the background. You're like looking at the Nechayach album, and you're looking at the Masayirah chart. It's an interesting history about the Masayirah chart. There's so much history in this room. There's a lot of interesting stuff. The Tanya map. I don't know if you can see it. Maybe it's off screen but there's so much cool stuff in this room. Okay. Anyway, back to our, uh, our lesson. Let's dig a little bit deeper. There's another discrepancy here and that is the first time the journey is described actually, if you noticed, it describes the destination as Padan Aram. and the second time the de- this journey is described it, destri- it describes the destination as Khoran. Now that's not a contradiction because Charen is in Padna Ram, is the city. Padna Ram is the region. You know, it's like saying he went to Chicago. Oh, you told me you went to Illinois. No, Chicago is in Illinois. Or <laughs> like we used to say, just outside Chicago, there's a place called Illinois. You ever heard that before? Anyways, but actually, that's very similar to this because Charen is like the metropolis, and like uh, Padna Ram is a rural area. Padn actually literally means field. She says, padan means field. So it was the field of Aram, and it was like a rural agricultural area, which you're going to understand in a second why it's described that way. Um, In terms of Yankee Vavino's life, these two terms, even though they're not mutually exclusive, like I said, Chorin is the city, padan Aram is the region, the nuance of city and field, let's call it, represent two different areas of and Vino's life. Padnoram, let's talk about that first because that's how it's described first. It says Yitzchok sent Yankev to Padnoram. Padnoram, like we said, means the field of Aram, and it's literally a field or it's a whole plain. It's like a many fields. Uh, it's a rural area and what did Yankev use that area For for, for grazing. Remember he was a shepherd, a very successful one. He had a whole big enterprise working for his father-in-law who tried to swindle him. That's another story. But Yankov succeeded, and he was a very, very successful uh, shepherd. He had flocks and flocks of sheep. So that all took place in those fields. So when we talk about Padna Ram, we're talking about the field. We're talking about his job, which is also when we say in English, like, what field are you in? It also means your job, your line of work, your career. By the way, do you know why the scarecrow won a Nobel Prize? He was outstanding in his field. Okay. Anyways, so Padnarom means the field, and that was Yankov's field, his field of work, literally the field where he was a shepherd, where he made his money with flocks of sheep. Okay. Choron is the city. Choron is the city. The city is where he lived. You know, like some people, like they you know, they 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 live in the city and then they commute to work, to some, you know, to some suburb or something. So, Jan Kavino was like, he lived in the city, he lived in Chorin. that's where his house was, that's where his family was, that's where he, his wives and his children lived. So Chorin represents the home life. That's his home life. You now it's interesting, you know, <laughs> I was thinking, when, you know, one of the security questions that they ask you, it's a common security question, is what city did you meet your spouse in? How do they know it was a city? Maybe it was some unincorporated rural area, but they're right—it's a city. Well, I'm not telling you what city I met my wife in because you're all going to go hack me. So I'm not. <laughs> I don't, I'm also not going to tell you what the color of my first car. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> or the first name of my first j- uh, boss at my first job. Okay. Anyway. Um, so Padna Rom is the field where Yankev worked as a shepherd. Choron is the city where he met his wives, raised his family, and lived with his family, okay? So in other words, let's break it up like this. Padna Ram is work. Choron is home. So you have work and you have home. Work and home. Okay, once you understand this, the whole thing makes sense. It starts to make sense. How is it possible that Yankiv Avinu could have left where he was without really leaving? You know what I mean by that? That physically he went on a journey, he relocated, but he didn't really leave where he physically left from. And the answer is very simple. The Baal Tov told us that In the place where a person desires, there he is entirely, not even a part of him, but entirely. So wherever your desire is, that's where you, the real you, really, maybe your body is here. You ever sit across from somebody? Physically, they're sitting across from you, but they've checked out. Emotionally unavailable. Maybe they got one of these in front of their face, you know, a little piece of plastic, and it's taking them thousands of miles away. Okay? So it is possible to physically be in one place, to have relocated physically, but not to have relocated mentally, emotionally, spiritually. When it says, the Yishloch Yitzchok, talking about the end of last week's Parsha, the Yitzchok sent. As Ya As he sent sent Jacob, Padena Aram and he went to Padna Aram. It only says where he sent them to. It doesn't say where he left from. You want to know why it doesn't say where he left from? Because he never left. He never left. He went to Padna Aram. Padna Aram means his field, his job, where he went to work. So when Yankavino was sent to go to work, he went to work, but he never left. There Sheva, he never left the home of his holy, beloved father, Yitzchak. He was still with Yitzchak. He never checked out. You know what that means? You know, you, know, you know what it means to say, you know, oh, he phoned it in. He phoned it in, right? He phoned it in. He didn't even show up. He, he wasn't even here. He phoned it in. It's an idiom. But it means he wasn't there with his whole heart. He wasn't there with his whole presence. That's exactly what we're describing, and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. When it comes to making a living, when it comes to earning your livelihood, there's a saying. It's from Tillam. You'll eat from the toil of your hands, you'll be fortunate, it'll be good for you. And our sages say, It means in this world, good, fortunate for you in this world, and It'll be good for you in the world to come. It'll be materially and spiritually beneficial for you if you eat from the toil of your hands. What does that mean? Everyone has to be a manual laborer? No. It means there's a yagia kapacha, toil of your hands, meaning your external faculties. Hands here means your external faculties. As opposed to yagiya meichai, valibai, where you're working your mind and your heart. When you have to work, you have to work. But only immerse your external faculties. Don't put your mind and heart in. There's a story, there was a guy back in Russia, before the revolution, he had a galoshes factory, and he was fairly wealthy, you know, manufacturing, made galoshes, so he went to Lubavitch, the town of Lubavitch, for Shabbos, he spent Shabbos with the Rebbe the Shabb. And he was preoccupied with his business the whole Shabbos, because he was the balabos he was the owner of the factory, so he was thinking about his galoshes factory the whole time. And the Rebbe Rashab recognized this, and he said to the guy, he says, you know, it's funny, I've seen plenty of people with their feet in their galoshes. This is, this is the first time I'm seeing somebody with his head in his galoshes. Put his head in his galoshes, put his head into his work. right? So what we want to do is when we want to go to work, we want to phone it in. We want to phone it in. Yagia kapecha, the toil of your hands, meaning the toil of your external faculties. Save your mind and heart for more precious things. So, in that case, when we're talking about Yankiv leaving Beersheva to go to Padnarom to work, he went to Padnarom, but he didn't really leave Beersheva. He spiritually, emotionally, mentally remained in Beersheva with his father Yitzchak the whole time. In contrast, when we're talking about Family life. When we're talking about Yankov, you know, building his home, the future twelve tribes, his twelve sons, then we say, the Yankiv He left Beersheva and then came to Choron. He left Beersheva and then came to Choron. He did check out of where he had been. Because when it comes to the home, you have to be 100% fully present. And it's interesting also, because if you think about it, Be'er Sheva is a holy place. It's actually one of the holy cities of the land of Israel. And Charon is a really, really unholy place. Rashi tells us, Charon means, afshel makim. It's a place that's so corrupt that it made Hashem angry so to speak. It kindled the wrath of Hashem. So we're talking about, he was in Beersheva, which is a holy place, with his holy father, with Yitzchak. And he went to Chodon, which is a corrupt, lewd, licentious place. And yet, we're told, he checked out from where he had been and fully put himself into where he had arrived. Why? Even though he was leaving a holy place and going to a corrupt place, because when it comes to family, when it comes to marriage you cannot be in two places at once you must be completely present you know the first marriage, the first intimate relationship we have in Torah is Adam and Chava Adam and Eve, and over there it says Adam knew Eve what does it mean he knew her? Like he could pick her up, uh, pick her out out of a out of a lineup. He could say, "Oh yeah, I recognize that woman. She was the only woman." Of course, he could recognize her. Um, <laughs> it, it, he knew her. means he was intimate with her. He really knew her. He knew her deeply. They say that the word intimacy in English is uh, is code for into me see. Intimacy is into me see. See into me. See who I am, see the real me. And uh, the word for that in Hebrew, in the holy tongue, is das. Yoda eschava. Yoda means das. The verb is yoda, the past tense, but the, the noun is das. Das means uh, the ability to attach and focus deeply to something. He talks about it in chapter three of Tanya that a person can have lots of chokma, meaning he can know a lot. And he could he even have a lot of bina, he could explain it well. But if he doesn't have das, das means his kashrus connection, focus, then uh, it's all academic. It'll never give birth to emotions. The way it's described in Tanya is that intellect gives birth to emotions. But you have chokhma, which is the father, and bina, which is the mother. But if the father and the mother aren't intimate, so it doesn't give birth to emotions. So what's the intimacy between the father and the mother, intellectual father and mother, and bina, is das, the intimate relationship between them is called das. So, whenever you have the idea of focus, of really, really putting your 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 mind and your full attention on something, uh, we call that das. And and the metaphor for that is intimacy, is is yichud, is is, is union, um, specifically marital union. Uh, it's interesting that. When you talk about a field, remember we're speaking about the field as being the byword for your work life. It is actually forbidden, according to Jewish law, for one to be intimate. I'm talking about actual, literal, marital intimacy in a field. It's not modest, obviously. right? Uh, and on a deeper level, it's also, for the same reason, so this explains... It's forbidden to pray in a field. You're not supposed to pray in an open place. It's not conducive to to awe of heaven. So why are you not supposed to pray in an open place? So this explains on a deeper level because just like you're not allowed to be intimate in a in a field, so to, so too you're not allowed to pray in a field because prayer is also intimacy. Prayer is, vilo means connection, intimate connection with Hashem. So you can't have intimacy, you can't have das, you can't have deep focus and concentration in a field. Not only you can't, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. When you're in the field, meaning when you're at the work site, just show up with your hands, with your external faculties. As opposed to the exact opposite, when you're at home, now show up with your mind, your heart, your soul, not just your body. Be there completely for your spouse and for your children. Don't phone it in. When it comes to work, phone it in. When it comes to home life, don't phone it in. And that's the secret here. When it says that Yankiv went to Padna Ram, it only says where he went to. It never says he left Beersheba because every moment that Yankiv was in Padna Ram, meaning the actual Padam, the actual field, doing his shepherding stuff, he was he was with Yitzhok in Beersheba. He hadn't left Beersheba when he was out working. So he was watching the sheep. He was doing whatever he had to do. He was a very responsible worker. This we know. He was very responsible, and he and he was successful. But he didn't immerse himself in it. He was in in in, in his will, in his desire. He was still back in Beersheba. But the moment he went home into the city, into Choron, where his wives and children lived, bam! All of a sudden, he left Beersheba. Each and every time he walked through the door, he left Be'er Sheva, and he was fully present where he was, even though it was a horon, it was a corrupt, contemptible place. But that's how important it is to be present for one's family. And that's why, of all the aves, of all the patriarchs, we see that Yankiv is the one who is extolled with this virtue of mitos he'shlema. He had an intact family, because it's with Yankov that we see the secret of the dichotomy of the, the 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 double standard, the desirable double standard of not being fully present when it comes to your 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 work, but being a hundred percent present when it comes to home life. So, how about a little homework? No pun intended. Or, yeah, maybe why not? Pun intended. Little homework. question is, is the emphasis on the, the word home or the emphasis on the word work? <laughs> the emphasis is on the word home. Here's some work that we can do at home. You know how people talk about they went into Yechidas with the Lubavitcha Rebbe and they felt like they were the only person in the whole world, or even people who only got to see the Rebbe for a second at dollars, and they had that one second of eye to eye, and they said they felt completely seen to their core. It's a common experience people report How would you like to be that to the best of your ability for your loved ones? How would you like to be able to look at your spouse, at your children so deeply and so completely with such focus and attention and presence that they feel completely seen? And ask yourself that if you would make a point of doing that for every member of your household every day, how different the energy in the home might be. So, let's leave wherever it is that we find interesting right now. Even if it's a Be'er Sheva, even if it's a holy place, let's leave it behind right now. And let's go wherever our families are, even if it's a Choran, and be completely present there. And Hashem should bless us with marital harmony, tranquility, peace in the home, nachas from our children, and our children should have nachas from us. Again, thanks for joining us in the Soul Word Studio, and God willing, we'll see you at the live stream, the yearly annual annual yearly <laughs> Department of Redundance, part Department, uh, <laughs> Repetitive Redundancy. We're going to see you at the live stream, Mutsu Shabbos and Sunday Sunday, um, at charity.com slash RST, charity with a D dot com forward slash RST. Uh, and uh, again, check out soulwords.org. Okay, thanks for joining us in the new studio. Hope you like it, and uh, God willing, we're going to bring you a lot more content from here.